Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Liza's Lab. This is episode three, and this week we are going to be discussing folk dances. If you tuned in last week, we discussed ritual dances, and although there are similarities between ritual and folk dances, this week we're going to be really discussing the differences between the two and what makes them both unique. Um, specifically, we're going to be looking into a little bit more of folk dances, the history, and some specific regions as well. So as you know, this podcast follows the course Dance History 2 at Ball State University, and so we also did two readings this week in the class. So the first one we read was called Folk Dance, Father Music, Mother Dance by Rose Guerrero. I'll also put the citations in the um, below. Um, but this specific article discussed um, the history of folk dances, some of the meanings, and what it all looks like. Um, so folk dances comes from the word uh, folklore, and folk means people, and lore means like history of the people. Um, and so that kind of encompasses a, a lot of the stuff in folk dance. So folk dance is really about bringing people together, celebrating differences, creating a community, and socializing. Um, this is a little bit different from ritual dances, whereas ritual dances um, were trying to reach like a higher power or the ancestors and trying to communicate. Um, Folk dances communicate, but more in a secular level. They communicate between two peers and they celebrate unity. Um, this chapter also discussed the, the pressure of assimilation. Uh, we see this especially in the United States, um, especially since 9-11 um, as well. There's been kind of a fear of the other, but folk dances really challenges that. And they, um, they attempt to bring everyone together, um, especially under certain cultural realms. Um, and so this article brings up the idea of different uh, Latin American uh, folk dances. Um, and they're all unique and beautiful to their area, but they also encompass and are very inclusive. The purpose of folk dances can also vary. Um, similar to ritual dances, they can be about birth, death, marriage, coming of age, fertility, amongst other things. Um, however, these are more of a celebration rather than a calling upon them. Folk dances, um, they also use repetition and are very accessible movements. Um, but it's different than ritual dances. Folk dances, they use repetition and simple movements like skipping and clapping and even just walking sometimes. Um, so it's accessible for everyone who wants to be a part of the dance. However, in ritual dances we discussed, it's about like climbing a ladder. Every time they repeat something, it's about becoming deeper and really surrendering to the dance. Um, Whereas this is more of a form of communication and um, celebration for folk dances. Similarly, uh, folk dances also use more intricate uh, formations. Um, we'll be discussing some specific dances in a minute, but um, they use circles and lines and even partners sometimes to show this sense of community. So during class one day, we looked at a couple folk dances that we may be familiar with, or you might be familiar with, um, that weren't necessarily in the reading. So we discussed the Maypole Dance, which is the celebration of May Day, and, or like the arrival of spring in England. And basically what it looks like is there's this um, big, beautiful pole that has essentially ribbons attached and they're very long so they can, um, everyone can be holding one. And they do a lot of skipping and weaving um, that ends up with the pole being wrapped in all these beautiful colored ribbons. Um, and it's this beautiful celebration um, that has, originally there was pipe tabor and English bagpipes that, um, and even the music later, later has flute and accordion. 
Um, and this dates back all the way to the 16th century. Um, this is just a beautiful example of community and celebration of a common experience of this arrival of spring. Um, now we discuss this other dance that's um, called the Bangra. From It's a South Asian dance, um, more commonly in India and Pakistan, um, that is also associated with spring, uh, most directly with the spring harvest. Nowadays, it's most commonly performed at weddings and birthdays, but originally it was associated with spring. Now, this um, is similar to the maple dance because they both celebrate spring, but they look elaborately different. Um, so the Bangra is much more elaborate. It has um, brighter colored costumes. There's It's much more athletic. There are strong vocalizations. Um, there are very specific props that all have very um, intentional meanings, and it's very bouncy and rhythmic and much more complex than the maypole dance. However, they both celebrate um, these this coming of spring in a very different way. I just think it's unique to recognize how the difference in the geographical difference has created two different dances that um, celebrate similar things. The second reading from this week was called Piercing the Mask of Japanese Dance Theater by Helen Myers. Um, this reading was more specific than the first because it gives an in-depth view of the history of folk dances in Japan. There were four specific types discussed and I'll give a brief overview of each. Um, so the Bugaku was the first one discussed and it is the oldest and it has inspiration um, from Chinese traditions. It is originally for like two to six um, males specifically. Um, and that's kind of an ongoing theme throughout all of these. Um, they're specifically designed for all men performers um, despite um, sometimes there being female characters that need to be played. Um, the second type of dance discussed was called the No, which is like a type of high class um, theater that uses a lot of symbolism and is meant for the upper class. Um, the symbolism has kind of made it hard for other people to um, understand this type of theater, but it is um, highly respected and is the second oldest um, in the Japanese tradition. The third one discussed is the Kabuki, which is similar to No, but it's more for the middle class. It is more dramatic and the props are really part of the cast almost. Um, it doesn't have the strong use of masks that is seen in the no, um, but there is this also um, a lot of makeup that is used. Um, so going back to the idea of props, um, Japanese culture has a deeper connection and this older belief of animism, which is means that there's um, objects have like are a little bit more alive, are a little bit more animated than we see them in the Western world. Um, so this gives their prop usage a deeper meaning and a little bit more purpose than we've seen um, in the Western world where, as for my experience, um, in musical theater dance, when you use things like a cane and a hat, they're really just um, character development, whereas these objects used in Kabuki specifically um, really are alive and drive the plot. Um, and finally, there was also discussed um, Buto, which is an avant-garde style um, that is very confrontational and often described as primal. Um, it uses partial or full nudity, lots of body paint, dramatic facials like a mask, um, and discusses themes of creation and destruction. This was created kind of in reaction to the World War II bombings 
and it's not always been perceived well by the public um, because it is very confrontational and it's not our typical definition of beautiful. Um, it's definitely a little bit more grotesque is the word that's often used to describe it. Um, but it is definitely necessary and it's a way of coping and conserving history as well. Um, it's a natural reaction and it's very important to the Japanese culture. Um, so these are the four dances that were discussed in the reading. Obviously there are more, um, but this, um, the development of the four is really unique because it shows the full history of Japan and kind of just shows their, um, their values and their artistic preferences um, that is different from our own and lets us really examine how folk dances grow over time. Now I could go into a lot more detail about each style, but I think it is more important to discuss um, the evolution and kind of the questions that have arisen for me from these readings uh, from this week. So one of the biggest questions that I have been debating is um, how do we commercialize folk dance in an ethical way? And I think this is really important to notice because it's important that um, folk dance gets recognized for the artistic beauty that it is and the educational tool that it can be. However, it is dangerous to take it out of its element. Um, so folk dances are meant to be social, as we discussed in the beginning. Um, so how do we put that on a stage in a way that is accurate to the roots and um, is still more accessible to Western audiences that prefer the proscenium stage? Um, is that something we should do? Who has a say? And, you know, things like that. Um, I don't think there's a direct answer. Um, but my current thought is that I think it needs to come from the culture that is that it is their folk dance. They need to have the choice to share it and they need to have control over how they share it. Um, the second question that I came up with for this week was how can we teach folk dances in schools? Um, so eventually at some point, I think we all have had um, like a dance class, whether it be with our music teacher in elementary school or if there was a gym class that was offered in high school. Um, some of us have experienced dance in school. However, how do we, should it be implemented more? Um, should it be deeper? Should there be more history involved as well? Um, and I've been thinking a lot about that and I kind of wanted to start associating it with language classes. Um, I think it's important to learn the full culture of the language that you are learning. Um, I know not everyone is required to learn languages, um, but I think it'd be a good way to immerse yourself in a culture fully. Um, Lastly, um, what folk dance do you guys most identify with? Um, how does it affect the way you move in dance technique classes or in your everyday life? And where and how did you learn it? Um, I've personally been struggling with this question because I don't really know what folk dance I identify with. Um, I feel like I grew up a lot with a lot of social dances and those are different than folk dances as I'm sure we'll get into in the next coming weeks. Um, but yeah, I'd love to hear what folk dances you identify with and how it affects your life as a dancer, mover, and person. Um, I hope this got you thinking and curious about folk dances. Thank you so much. See you next week.